Welcome to the Busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. Please give this podcast a thumbs up and tap the subscribe button. Your thumbs up and subscription increases the show's rating, thus making it easier for people to find. Feel free to email me with your comments or would like to be a guest on the podcast. Please let me know if you have someone in mind who would make a great guest. Add your email to receive updates on the Gospel Library and the news about this podcast. I only send emails once a week. Rest assured that your email will not be sold. Links to my email and website are in the show notes. I also want to share with you that I am now the host of Everyday Saints podcast aired by Cedar Fort Publishing and Media. I have the wonderful opportunity to interview authors published by Cedar Fort and learn about their new books. I encourage you to check it out. The link to the podcast is in the show notes. Get ready to be inspired by today's guest, Michelle Porcelli. With her boundless energy and infectious enthusiasm for life, you'll be captivated as she shares her love for family, her faith-guided journey as a school counselor, and how she studies the scriptures. Get ready to be uplifted and encouraged by Michelle's incredible zest for life. And now, here's Michelle. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Richard. It's, uh, now, you are an author. And what book have you written? I have written a book called You Will Be Found, How Heavenly Father Understands You and Answers Prayers Individually to help those who may be having questions of where do they fit in the gospel and to let them know that Heavenly Father is mindful of them and knows of their struggles and that Christ has been through those struggles and that we're not alone on this earth that he will always be our friend there to guide us. And it's it's a wonderful book. I invite your listeners to buy it and actually read it. <laughs> yes, I've read it, and I agree with you. They, It's a, a wonderful book. They really should get it. It's got wonderful stories in it. And as you pointed out, um, that Heavenly Father does listen to us. Now, I am looking here at notes on you. Um, you're married, and it says you have... Two exceptionally perfect grandchildren. I do, Max and Ivy. They are the cutest grandchildren ever. And they're so smart. And they're really well-mannered. I don't know how their parents did it. But <laughs> we got really lucky. They're fun. What, what, are, what are their ages? Max is three. And Ivy will be two in a few months. Wow, two and three. Yeah. All right. Now, it says here that you have a patient husband. Why does he need to be patient? <laughs> Well, you can hear by my voice if you're listening to the podcast or watching the recording. I'm full of spit and vinegar. And you got to have a lot of patience to be married to me. I am a mover and shaker. I'm a goer and a doer. And um, I just believe in all possibilities that we create the life that, you know, we choose the life, we create it, and we create our situations. And I get it that there's some things dealt to us in life that are out of our control. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about like sometimes our goals and our dreams that things that are in our power 
that we need to find that energy, work with God, um, follow his promptings. And if we do that and lead our lives according to the gospel and with integrity, good things are going to happen. Um, it doesn't mean things are perfect and we can't control other people. I work a lot with children who have, um, you know, been in non-perfect situations. And sometimes adults make really poor decisions and it's really frustrating. And that's not the children's fault at all, right? And so I, I want to make it clear, I don't believe people deserve bad situations and that they can control that. But we can choose our behavior, our own behavior, and um, where we go from there. That's why he has to be patient and tolerant. He's really good to me. I lucked out. I hit the jackpot. Okay. Right well, yes, regardless of the situation, uh, man search for meaning. You probably have read the book. Um, and, um, it's, it's how you view the situation, regardless, regardless of how terrible the circumstances could be. Now you have five children. What are the, they're all adults, correct? They are all adults, ages 18 to 30. Um, and I have one that still lives here at home and is a college student. I have three that live in Provo and the one that's married with my grandchildren is out in Saratoga Springs and they're all doing their best to live their best life and everyone's still growing and learning, but I'm, I'm pretty proud of them. I was blessed with really good kids and we're pretty close. We try to be, it doesn't mean they always get along. I mean, they're human, but we, I think we do pretty good. We good. do pretty good. And I can see in the background there a big uh, BYUY, a gum machine with blue gumballs in it. So, yes. So As I, tolerant my husband is of me. This is his vice. He goes to every single BYU game. He has, he even has a BYU Christmas tree we're about to put up. Um, he and his buddies, my brother and their brother-in-law, they call themselves Brigham's boys. So they go to the BYU games and the blue and white striped bib overalls. They wear big Brigham beards and the hats. They've been in magazines. <laughs> Tom Homo's called. He's the one who named them Brigham boys. And so he, I let him do that, right? Because I shouldn't say I let him. Of course, he has his choice. But I just feel like in a relationship, it's a give and a take that we need to let people be who they are. And if he wants to have his gumball machine in my office that you can see is purple, um, I got to do that. I got to let him do that. <laughs> well, now you said a BYU Christmas tree. Yes. And so he gets a flocked tree and the ornaments are blue and some white and then all the BYU ornaments. So we have a lot of BYU ornaments and football helmets and things like that. And, you know, the background on that story is my husband was not raised in the gospel at all, but he was a football player in high school. He played football down at SUU and then up at, it was called Rick's College back then. It's yep. now BYU Idol and they used to have a football team. Well, because he wasn't raised in the gospel, um, you know, some made some crazy choices when he was younger and he was up at Rick's college at the time. And he remembers one of the football plays, one of the first plays of the game, he blew out his knee and he could not play football anymore, mm -hmm. but he didn't know what to do with his life at that point. And he says, all the football players, they went into, they were playing games, like playing pool and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, he just announced, and his nickname was Bus, by the way, because he's such a good football player. It's as hard as a bus. He's so he's such a good guy. Anyway, he says, I'm going to go on a mission. <laughs> he said, everyone's jaws dropped mm -hmm. open, and they dropped their pool cues like, Bus is going to go on a mission? What's happening? 
And he did. He went and worked in the mines. They're called Ofer. They're actually named after like his great, great grandpa, the mines in Ofer out by Tuila. Worked for a year in the mines and raised money to pay for his own mission. Wow. Went to Perth, Australia. And this is back in, I think, 81, 82. So he was like older. He was like 22 when he went on his mission, which was like unheard of back then to not be 19. But he did it. And it was back when the missions were only 18 months that he asked to extend. So he extended his mission, served the 24 months and came home and has been Peter Priesthood ever since. Wow. And I fell in love with that person that yes. individual, because I knew his heart was turned to God and that he would lead my family to Christ, that we could be a celestial family. That's still our goal. Again, kids make their own choices. Some of them drive me crazy sometimes with their choices, but I'm sure I drive them crazy too. But I am confident and I have faith that we will be an eternal family. And that's that's our goal. And so that's why I, I have that there. It's kind of my symbol to me of what a good person he is. He knows what it's like to not have the gospel in your life. And he clings to it. He wow. um he really is an amazing soul. Well, Hope you listen to this podcast. Now I've noticed that you're also a graduate of BYU. So now, do you do you know the BYU the BYU shout? Do you have that memorized? Rise and shout that one. The Cougars are out. Yeah, the, 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 Cougar, the Cougar. Uh, yeah, Cougar fight song. <laughs> Amen, glory. Rise only... and shout. Cheers, we yeah. as we unfold the victory story. On we go to Vancouver. <laughs> sons and daughters. Yeah. as we go. Something, 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 something. something. <laughs> I've only been to one BYU like, game because I said I've got to go to one. Uh, as a musician and I have a degree in music, I had to go all these football games in high school and college, and I still don't understand football because it just never interested me. But I said, I've got to at least go to a BYU game, so I did it. It was a wonderful study. I watched the people more than I watched the football on the field. Oh, I was fun. amazed how they bring the kids, and they all stand up and do the, the cougar shout Babe, and everything. And, and Cosmo and, dances. Yes. It's, it's really fun. And I, you know, some seasons are better than others. We get that. But true Cougar fans are not fair weather fans. They cheer for their Cougars, whether they win or they lose. Yeah. Right. They have faith in those players who have sacrificed so much. Many of them went on missions and have come back and to come be able to leave for two years and come back and still play football. That's pretty amazing. And to choose to play football at BYU is even more amazing because yep. they know there's the honor code, the different rules. They could have gone anywhere else in the country and lived their best life doing whatever. Yes. But they chose BYU because they knew that's where their father in heaven wanted them. Yes, yes. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's it's very unique. It's absolutely very unique. Now, uh, you said you're in education. You were a teacher. Uh why did you go into counseling? Okay, so I actually started in the early 90s, and I was one of, like, I think there were six of us. We started in alternative high school. A lot of people in Utah will know it now. It's Polaris High School. It's a big deal. But back in the 90s, it was called Alpine Life and Learning Center. Yeah, we changed the name. That was, like, way too long. But it was for kids who needed something different. And we did packets so they could earn credit outside of high school, makeup credit, things like that. I was in charge of the young mothers program. So I taught pregnant and parenting teens who still wanted to get their degree. I also worked with adults who were coming back for their GED. 
it was awesome. It was so cool. And so we did that. We started out at the Pleasant Grove Fire Department, and then we grew, and it ended up at UVU, where UVU still has the building now, but it used to be Alpine Life and Learning Center. And then it grew into East Shore Packets. If there's anyone old enough to remember the East Shore Packets, a lot of kids, if they were behind credit in high school, they'd do East Shore Packets as quickly as they could so they could get credit to graduate. And now it's turned into Polaris High School, which um, I guess we don't say alternative high school anymore, but that's what it is. Um, And the Young Mothers Program, just a little bit of politics into it, we lost our funding in 2000. So that's when I came home, decided to raise my family. I was a stay-at-home mom for a while. Um, and then I ran a preschool out of my home called Awesome Blossom Preschool. The kids chose the name. It was fun. I had a wait list one to two years long for my preschool wow. because I, I was teaching the kids to read, sing. We would do perform at Festival of Trees all the time. And the parents were like, how did you get those kids to do that? I'm like, if you're in music, you yeah, you know. Music is magical. Mm-hmm. I would teach him to read through music. I would teach him the movement, the shapes, the colors, spelling. So they were doing simple multiplication at the age of four and five. People are like, what's happening? I'm like, yeah, it was that cool. But then in about 2008, I went back for a master's degree and I was going to become a, a family therapist. And then somebody came in and said, They work nights and weekends. Well, it was hard for me. I had five little kids. I didn't want to work nights and weekends. So I transitioned to school counseling so I could be home when my kids were. And so I worked at Lehigh High School. Then I worked at Sky Ridge High School. Loved being a high school counselor. The energy was just amazing. And then the district, um, a friend and I and two others started the elementary counseling program about six years ago. And I haven't looked back since. I have fallen in love with all these kids so full of love. They shout my name as I go down the hall. That makes Mm. me feel like a million bucks because I'm the fun lady, right? Because I get to come in and do some fun lessons. And they, they just know that I just adore them and love them. And that's what made me go into counseling. I feel like it's helped me become a better parent. Sometimes my kids used to say, mom, I need a mom, not a counselor. And because I'd go into counselor mode a lot with them. But I feel like it's kind of helped me through life too. You know, I, I, the two schools that I work at, I work at one very high socioeconomic school and one title one, which is the opposite. And so it's been interesting to see the difference in kids who really have been set up for success and kids who have some struggles. And I love them both. People are like, man, that's gotta be hard. I'm like, it is hard to transition every other day back and forth. But I can't give up either one. I love both the schools so much. I love them. And I love the elementary teachers are the hardest working people you will ever find on the planet. They work long hours, even just doing tedious things, cutting out letters and making copies. Like they do everything in their power for these kids. I just, they're all going straight to heaven. <laughs> they're exalted. <laughs> if they disappear. You'll know they, the, the Lord has risen them up. Done. <laughs> well, I didn't teach elementary. I taught middle school and then went into high school. But um, middle school is interesting. <laughs> middle school is interesting. Yeah. I, if you can survive that, you can survive anything. Yeah. And the kids too, hormones are raging and puberty yeah. and all that. Yeah, 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 it's tough. Now, um, you said they call out your name. Now, do they use your first name or last name? Mrs. Porcelli. Oh, okay. Say Mrs. Porcelli. It, uh, the reason they call my name is number one, they're saying hi. But number two, if I come in their classroom to do a lesson, I'm giving them a break from math or something like that. So that's probably the real reason. 
And um, I have a cart so they can hear me in the hall and I carry the cart down with all my props and my lesson. And it's, it's really fun. I just, if you want a feel good moment, just go be around kids. Yeah. Just, well, and, you know. and you do something different than any counselor I've ever known when, at least when I went to school, um, as you know, in my youth, um, you, you come in once a month and teach a lesson in these classes every classroom and so i do about three four sometimes five lessons a day because i'm going to all these classrooms right and then i do group counseling so sometimes kids need a little friendship group or social skills or sometimes there's a divorce group or a grief group and then i do individual counseling as well if it's needed at that point and sometimes we'll just work on personal skills and some behavior issues for some kids i'll be honest and um some schools the kids have been through trauma and so I work with them a little bit there just to let them know that you're safe with me and I'll do everything I can to help them work through some of their trials that they're going through. Yeah, some of the biggest problems with teaching is the parents. Uh, th yeah. there, there are many times I've said, uh, oh. this, uh, if we just didn't have the parents, the students would be great. But then I guess if we didn't have parents, we wouldn't have students. But... <laughs> and, and one thing that I've learned and maybe it's because I'm older now, people, I, I, you know, they're like, just are trusting me or something. Usually if I have a parent that is really kind of upset with something that's happened, whether at the school or their kids or something, I like to do home visits. I go into the home and I make friends with the parents, if that makes sense. And I earn their trust. The kids know we're all on the same page and it just does something to let the parents know I took the time to talk with them to let them know that they're loved and appreciated too, that we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be fighting with them, right? We all want to be on the same team and we're there to help them because sometimes when parents hear a counselor's calling them, they get scared and they feel like they've done something wrong. Sometimes they have, depending. But I just love them to say, hey, we're here to help you be successful. We're not here to point fingers at you. We want to be successful. Um, but, you know, sometimes we are sending home like a backpack with them or a coat or a bag of food with them. Um, you know, I can't reveal too much, but like I said, some kids really are um, in some high trauma situations. And so we just help them have as normal of a school life as possible and to let them know that we've we've got them. And we're going to try and help their family stay strong if that's possible if their parents choose to stay strong too that would be awesome well i've been reading news articles over the last year and teachers are quitting left and right throughout the nation um they're not being they're not being paid well enough number one and as a teacher <clears throat> i spent a lot of my own money uh, get, getting things into the classroom and i know a lot of teachers do that and so uh Teachers, the, there are some states where they're just lowering the standards to get teachers because there's people don't. And, and part of the problem is the parents. The parents, um, their child does something wrong and the parent basically backs up the child. And, um, and so it really create, creates a... So here's just an opinion. What I'm observing happening throughout the nation, I don't think teachers are quitting because of the pay. We all knew what the pay was when we got into this. I think they're quitting because the behaviors of the students have gotten out of control. They've not my students, to be quite honest, they aren't. I, my students are awesome, but a lot of them have become disrespectful, mm -hmm. violent. Some of the behaviors really are out of control. I don't know if we want to blame COVID for everything or what, but we live in a society 
where adults have chosen to be offended over every little thing. They even, whether it's in your driving or with a neighbor, family members, whatever, but when kids see an adult go from zero to 100 so quick, they're learning that they can escalate their behavior as well. And so I think kids feel like being sassy, being rude, mean, whatever, bullying almost has become their right. And so I have to be very careful because I don't want to call a parent wrong because it could even be a big brother or sister that's kind of bullying mm-hmm. them and their behavior or whatever they're seeing on social media. Like, I don't think it's just COVID to blame. It could be social media. It could be just we live in a volatile world, the political stuff that's happened. All this stuff is kind of this perfect storm that these kids are in chaos and they're not feeling safe. When kids misbehave, it's all communication about a deeper need. Usually that need is they don't feel safe. And so they're trying to stretch these boundaries and grab control of something to help them feel in control and safer. It's like Maslow's hierarchy needs. They need to feel safe, connected, and confident before they can thrive. Um, So if I have a student who hasn't had enough sleep, they're probably going to be cranky, hasn't had breakfast, or parents have been fighting the night before, keeping awake. Not that parents do that, but to be honest, most of the parents I work with are pretty quite awesome. Um, But I'm just saying when they don't even have their physiological needs met, we can't expect them to be perfect angels at school. Mm -hmm. They don't feel safe at school or safe in life. And then that's when the behaviors can come out. However, now that I told you all of that, here's something else to consider. Utah, I feel, is ahead of some other states by about a year. We kept schools open during COVID. We went back. Yes, we were masked, but we went back. So we tried to have some normalcy. We've got to realize some states didn't go back. Some of those kids had lost an entire year of social skills, following procedures, learning to play nice in the sandbox, getting along well with others. They're a little bit behind academically and socially. So around the nation, the behaviors a lot of these teachers are seeing, we saw last year. We're slowly coming out of it. Behaviors are getting better. We're handling them better. Um, I feel like teachers are feeling more confident in handling behaviors. So I've been talking with my principals about this, and we're looking at the data. Our behavior is not getting worse. Sometimes our perception of it is we're doing better than we think we are. Mm. We just have to give teachers permission to be teachers um, and not be like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, let's make sure it's fair for everyone. Sometimes, you know, equity does not mean fair. If I have a student that um, needs me to repeat a concept, well, other kids are like, well, I got it. It's not fair. You're repeating it again. No, equal does not always mean fair. We've got to realize life's not going to be fair. We're going to give students what they need. And that might be different levels for people, right? Like I give a pair of socks to one student. I don't give them to them all. Well, that's not fair. You're right. Fair doesn't mean equal. And so um, we're doing the best we can in education. I don't have the answers to everything. I'm just letting you know what I'm seeing as a counselor. But I think we need to get teachers need to realize they're doing better than they think they are. And behaviors aren't as out of control as maybe we once thought. It's just our perception is these kids are a little bit more sassy. And we just need parents to kind of back up teachers and say, respect is a big issue. Let's respect our teachers, right? Let's mm-hmm. respect others. Let's be kind. Um, I think it was uh, President, is either President Kimball or or maybe even it was, I'm trying to think. But they talked about we've, we've lost our civility. 
we've lost our civility yeah. and we need to learn how to be more civil with people and be kind or, and be yeah. empathetic. It was President Hinckley. That's who kind of talked about. We've lost our civility. And I think it comes back to that. If we, we can remember, we're all brothers and sisters here doing the best that we can. Right. And to give each other a little bit of grace and patience that way. And yes. Well, I think you brought up some very good points. I was thinking as you were talking there, obviously you're a very active member of the church. How does your faith figure into what you do with the students? Oh, every day. I try to lead by the spirit. Of course, I don't bring religion into the school system. That's not fair to the students especially those of different faiths, right? I will often get asked if I'm a member, and if they ask me, I can answer, right? But I try not to bring that up. But I try and just say it's part, you know, the I talk about the golden rule. We can do things like that. But there are often times that um, I will just say, I hope that the words I say, especially if it's an individual counseling session or it's a grief session with someone, it's very tender. You don't want to mess up. These are kids. You want to do it right. And so I will always have this prayer in my heart for for the father in heaven to lead me and to lead my mind to know to, and want to do and say the right things. And then I also act on promptings um, like saying, Hey, go check on this student, check on this teacher. Like we, you know, teacher wellness is a big deal too. We need to make sure teachers are okay. Or if I feel a prompting to help a family out, um, you know, we always are serving families in the school system and, and gratefully so, um, and so I feel like the gospel is intertwined, not just in my job, but a lot of people are probably living the gospel and don't even know it because I work with some awesome people who are kind and who are always looking out for others and doing the best that they can. And so they might not be members, but they, they're still living the gospel. A lot of the gospel principles, not, maybe not all of them, you know, don't have the saving ordinances, things like that, but they're doing the kindness. Well, thank you for that. Now, I want to move into the scriptures and you personally. How do you study the scriptures? What what method do you use? I use fun. Let me show you my scriptures. Oh, oh fun. Okay. Let me show you. Okay. So last year, <laughs> Richard, you asked. I'm like, I have to oh, show you. Oh, my goodness. Look at all those tabs. Okay. So this <laughs> is the Old Testament that was from last year. So when I was primary chorister, I would teach a little gospel concept to start the day. And then I did, I think Emily Bell Freeman's, and I can't remember who the other guy was that was with her. Mm. Anyway, they did a little book that was a desert book. And it said, don't miss this. So oh, yes. I highlighted the come follow me lesson. So I could just take the, you know, the guts of it, explain it to the kids. And then, yeah, you've got all these fun tabs here. Isn't that fun? And this is kind of a fun book. And then I started doing, journaling in my scriptures oh, okay so you've got the yeah. wide this is for the audience to know this is a wide margin yeah 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 yep and and it's it's uh yeah and so i can take notes i can write down my feelings and i just kind of make it a little bit of fun there and so things that i want to just kind of have stand out to me um and then i you know i don't know where my um don't miss this book is i probably put it away because we're doing the new testament this year but I took notes in the Don't Miss This, and I've got all the colored pens and pencils. For me, I'm a visual person, and most people are visual learners, right? And so when they see something, it helps get more imprinted on their mind, and then they hear it. Is there more? Does that make sense? So I just do a lot of fun. And now because this next year we're doing the Book of Mormon, 
I just went to something called Pinner's Conference, and they have all these colored scriptures. I love pink. This oh, is a rose. Okay, now back, back up a minute. You went to the Pinterest conference. I've seen them. Yes, it's called I've seen Pinterest them advertised, conference. and I go, oh, what do, my what, goodness, I said, what, what, what do people do there? <laughs> spend money. Spend That's money. what you do at Pinners. <laughs> you spend a boatload of money. And so they had about thirty to 40,000 people in attendance, 600 booths. And then you oh do crafts, you do classes. Um, I think you could even do a class there next year. I think Cedar Fort Publishing might do a class there next year. And they, I guess they put in a booth this year and I didn't even see it. You can sell books, you sell crafts, things like that. But there was a booth, a booth that had colored scriptures. I'm like, oh, brother, make it another book on the scriptures. And then I thought of that. Brilliant. Why not let people have fun with the scriptures? It's leather. It's kind of nice. I haven't marked it yet because I just bought it. But there is something about holding the scriptures in your hands, kind of like reading books. I will still bring my phone, electronics. It's nice because it's fast. You know, you can look at things up. But I thought, how cool it would be that I pull out my scriptures when everyone else has their cell phones and I'm flipping through the pages. Listen to that. Can you hear that? Yeah. There's something about the sound, the pages flipping. It's tactile. See, because I work with kids tactile anything we can do with our hands it's a big deal it helps your brain learn even better so i like to get tactile that's why i did you know some decorating in here that's tactile as well anything you can do with the five senses is good so you're going to feel the leather you can see it okay it doesn't really smell of anything but anyway that would be kind of fun you could do some perfume scriptures i don't think that's the purpose of scriptures but anyway so maybe don't do that but I think I'm going to have fun studying this. I did the triple combo because, you know, it's the Book of Mormon. I I really have grown to appreciate the Doctrine of Covenants and Pearl of Great Price. Um, I just think they're, you know, sometimes they're, they're books that get a little forgotten. And I like to cross-reference to those. So that's what I'm going to be doing. All right. Now, on your Old Testament one, you must have 100, 200 tabs. Just, just pick one tab. What, what does the tab do? Oh, it just takes you straight to the book. So like this says Leviticus. Okay. Okay, I'm going to see if you oh, can okay. see it. Okay, I, I see it. Okay, it's Leviticus. Is that so cute? Yeah, so the tabs just take you to the book. So you can flip super fast to the book. I'm trying to see if there's more. Some of the pages are just simple. I just wrote a few words on it. No big deal. Um, most of these things related to like primary songs. Like here's for the song, search, ponder, and pray, you know, for that primary song. Are are these stickers? Yeah, these are just like little. Okay, stickers. these are stickers. Okay. I tried to do fancy writing and it didn't work too well. You know, I try a lot of things and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But I just kind of makes it fun. And then I I did a cross reference. I said this mat. This is this matters. Okay. Sticker. Yeah, it's a like sticker a there. Yeah. Says, hey, this is important to you. You really need to see this. I just think it makes it fun. Um, I'm not an expert at it. Just kind of started as a little hobby. Um, Lisa's head. So, okay. I'm just looking at some others. Like it just, you know, some are simple. I do kind of color things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried one year, I tried to have each color represent something else. Like yellow was an enlightened thought and red was the, was love of Christ. And I did that and that was kind of fun one year. And then I just kind of got away from that, but that's another idea you could do to, um, study scriptures. But I do remember one class I took, I think it was a seminary teacher, and he really made the scriptures come alive for me. He says, think back into history, like, 
think of the time frame. What was going on with these people in the scriptures? What was life like for them? Picture them. Again, it's the picture in our minds, right? Because we're so visual. And he says, make the scripture come alive. Because if you can picture it in your head of what's really happening in this scene, you're going to remember it. It's going to mean more to you. It's going to be more valuable. It's not going to be just words on a page. And that really hit me. It's like, let's picture what were they, what was their life like? What was going on? What does the scripture really mean? I mean, you could take a scripture as simple as Jesus wept, and it can mean so many different things to you. Like, well, what was he crying about at the time? What's going on? Why would Jesus cry? What's happening? You know, and it just it kind of helps the stories come alive. Of course, everyone's favorite one is he dwelt in a tent, right? You know, talking about Lehi. Well, dwelling in a tent, that's kind of cool. Now delve into his life. What was going on in his life? Why was he in a tent? And he's dwelling in this. This is where he's living. He gave up his entire life and all of his belongings for this and for the gospel. It just kind of helps make things come alive. They become real people. So it's not fictional. It's not something like, oh, the church is on trial. Oh, yes, it is. Read those scriptures. You cannot deny the gospel when you just get on fire about the scriptures. And I think you said that too, Richard. Like, if we will read the scriptures, other things will fall into place. Because another point to the scriptures is this. These are real people. Think that we've been taught to have our hearts turned to the Father's right and do our ancestry work, things like that. These are also our ancestors that were here before us. And their stories are meaningful and valuable. And I think I, you know, when we call upon our ancestors for help, that is so valuable. Those are our so-called angels, really, that I, there's many times I've called on my ancestors saying, hey, I need some help on this one. I can't, I can't do this alone. I need some celestial help here or some help from, you know, um, from the, you know, hereafter, things like that. And um, maybe I don't get a verbal answer back, but I know they're there. And to me, these people are real, just as real as my ancestors or my dad who passed away in 2019, you know, the other podcast we showed his picture. And they, they had lives that mattered and they felt a lot of the same things we do, you know, when um, they were searching. But I just cannot imagine how cool it would be to walk where Jesus walked and to know him and to share those stories. Yeah, the language in the scriptures might be different than what we're used to speaking now. I think that's part of the ambiance on it. I think that's what makes it even more cool is it's kind of more formal writing and the these and the thous and things like the Arabic type of uh, translations, things like that of how they would speak. And that's pretty cool. I think we should be formal with the scriptures. I think that's kind of nice. But I'm so excited. Rose-colored scriptures. Yes, rose-colored. I've seen them <laughs> advertised going down the 15, and they always say how many they've sold. And I didn't realize that was just the com the triple combination. I didn't. I always um, thought what they were selling was the uh, uh, the quad that in different you colors. Can quad. No, you, you, you can, can still get, get the quad. quad. I just this. So the reason I chose it like this, you can see how big it is compared to my head. I can fit this in my purse. Okay. Take off to church with that. Does that make sense? Like it's not going to be too heavy. I'm not lugging yeah. it around, and I'm not going to have an excuse to not bring it. That was what he's looking for. Like. I need something simple. I'm going to have it in my purse. So I can keep it there. Okay. That was my goal. Now, do you have a particular time that you study? Um, I Because I work all day long and I'm pretty busy, 
I mostly it's going to be on Sundays and then um, at our presidency meetings during the week. So you can help me with that, Richard. I'm not quite the saint yet, and I need to do better at my scripture study. Okay. All I right. Know that and just time-wise, when you do study, is it 15 minutes, 20 minutes, five hours? What what time? Oh, yeah, I wish it was. Um, I think it depends. Uh, this is the beauty of having callings like when you're in primary. When I was in primary, I was probably, you know, 30 minutes to an hour because I had to prepare that lesson and I wanted to mark things. And it takes time to mark things and get the stickers out and things like that. Now that I'm not in primary, it can go pretty quick. And I don't know if I like it being quick. I think <laughs> I kind of like it taking time. Mm. I think that's not a bad mm. thing. It can it could actually be like a self-care mental health thing to just kind of calm down your mind a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something to do. Well, now the gospel library, do you use it at all? Yes, I do use the gospel library, <laughs> Richard. I know you need me to say Well, yes. there are people in the church. I've got all the stats on it. I have... Um, I have access to all the analytics. Of, in fact, I was just looking at them today on how many people during the week actually open the app and how long they spend and everything. So there are so people that, that just don't use it. So I do use the Gospel Library, but I will admit it's usually on Sundays. I have my little church app on my phone. I don't know if you can mm -hmm. see that. I just hit church app, and then I have my tools in my library, and, of, and then my family tree. And, of course, if it's a lesson, I'm hitting the library, mm -hmm. and then I'm going right to the lesson. And so I'm grateful for that. So I don't feel um, – so I feel like I can still answer questions like in Sunday school and Relief Society. So thank you for that tool because I think it does help make things simpler. We do have that younger generation that everything is on phones and electronic. Yes. And so yes. that's really kind of nice to meet them where they are. And so I think I'll use both on Sundays. I'll bring my my scriptures like this, which are mm -hmm. fabulous. I'll still use my electronic version. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I give uh, devotionals, first thing I start off with is that uh, these all these devices have been given to us to hasten the Lord's work. And those are direct quotes from our prophets and apostles. In fact, I, I love the quote from Elder Bednar. He actually lists all the, well, a pretty long list of technology. And he started with trains. Trains were given to us to hasten the Lord's work. Boats, steamboats. And as you look at how the church has grown, then the technology has grown so that we can reach a larger audience. And so he talks about trains and buses and, and all sorts of things. And that's just a partial list. But he says, all of these things have been given to us so that we can hasten the Lord's work. And I, I often ask the audience, have you ever thought when you got in your car, how it was given to us to hasten the Lord's work? I love that. Fabulous. Yeah. So, yeah, this technology didn't, didn't come about by accident. Uh, people today aren't any smarter than they were 200 years ago, but the Lord knew it was time to, we needed certain things so that we could literally, as Isaiah says, hear the gospel preached from the rooftops. And so that little device you have in your hand, we can hear the prophet anytime we want. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yes. And I do, I see them on social media, whoever's posting for them, that's fun. You bring up a good point about this technology. 
Um, I remember being in a conference with Brad Wilcox one time, and he said, you know, like some people are making fun of Joseph Smith looking into a hat and seeing words appear. He's like, yeah, make fun of all you want. He's like, have any of you ever had anything that was easier to see mm-hmm. <laughs> with the brightness? You know what I mean? It was like, duh, of course the Lord has technology. Are we kidding ourselves? Of course, Joseph Smith probably had something that was advanced technology that he didn't understand at the time. And we don't either. And that's how I do feel like there was some sort of technology that helped him translate those golden plates, the Urim and Thummim to, you know, to use to that translation yes. to do all that. Yes. It's just our minds have to wrap ourselves around that fact and not think things, oh, this is silly or this is a voodoo story. Like, are you kidding? I think we're more intelligent than that, that we know our God. Like you said, it's not that anyone's smarter now than they were 200 years ago. It's just the Lord has line upon line, precept on precept, and he knows the timing for things, what yes. we're ready for. Yes, absolutely. Well, well, I've often thought that the since the coming of the iPad, that the Liahona was just a round iPad, maybe. It could have been. You That'd know? be really cool. You should invent that, Richard, a round iPad. Yeah, a round iPad. <laughs> now, now it, it must have been solar powered. I don't know. They didn't have electricity then. <laughs> but, but, you know, the Lord blesses us, and he knows, as you said, when we need this technology. And the problem is that a lot of people look at their phone and figure, well, it's to make phone calls and it's a text message and it's look at cute cats on uh, Facebook. But no, it's actually there. Uh, I, I teach a weekly class to senior missionaries in Orem and Provo on Zoom. And I, I do my best to, to cover so many things. Today we talked about artificial intelligence. Artificial mm-hmm. intelligence has been given to us to help hasten the Lord's work, but how, how can it help us? And I even demonstrated it there that uh, I asked artificial intelligence to give me a summary of Alma 32. It was beautiful and it was actually right on. Now, an artificial wow. intelligence isn't always right on and it makes mistakes, but um, I'm always thinking about how can I use artificial intelligence to hasten his work. And there's a professor at BYU who teaches computer science and He's thinking of the same thing, and my son who teaches computer science back in Iowa, the same thing. We sometimes talk about this. But all of these things have been given to us to hasten his work. And I ask people in devotionals, how much time do you spend on your device actually engaged in the Lord's work? And a lot of heads go down. <laughs> they, they don't want to make eye contact. <laughs> but, but we've really got to think how we use these devices and um, use them in a way, and and even right now, we're doing a podcast, all of these devices, and I've got on my computer, and how it's recording everything, and transcribing, is there to hasten the Lord's work, and so we, we encourage people to use the gospel library, and other advancements to help us with the gospel library. Well, I am grateful for the time with you, and I always like to end if you don't mind with the bearing of your testimony. Well, thanks for inviting me to do that. I I love the gospel with all my heart. And I have a testimony of the Book of Mormon and its truthfulness. And I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet that has led us into this last dispensation, that he was prepared with the resilience 
and the forthrightness that we needed at that time to help us have the Gospels, to help us have the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price. I have a testimony of the Bible as well. And I do know that our Father in Heaven is mindful of us. He knows our needs. Sometimes we don't get the answers that we want. But if we can, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can look back through our lives and notice the times that God was there for us. Then our burdens will be made lighter. He will be with us through our trials. Life's not meant to be easy. It is a test. That's why we are here. But if we'll cling to the gospel and cling to the light, keep saying our prayers, reading the scriptures as you were saying before, to help make our lives easier. This is our guidebook. This is our map through life. If we will use the map to guide us, we will make better decisions. We'll feel better about ourselves and our situations, and we will know how loved we are. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.